Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. Uh, Guys, new beat. New beat today. Check it. Did you check it? (laughs) Until you wrecked it. We have a new beat. It is amazing for Serial Killer September. Yes. Um, Homeboy Isaiah, who did our beat as on our normal episodes, made us a new one for Serial Killer September. And it is so cool. He is one talented young fella. Yeah. I think we're going to have to start paying him. Yeah. (laughs) I think you already do. (laughs) Just like a flat fee. Like, here you go. Here's 20 bucks. (laughs) It's true. I agree. We can do that. We can afford that. (laughs) You're like, you can. You're a mom. You got it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Isaiah, have your people call our people. Yep. We'll work something out. Yeah, exactly. It's September, guys. How Mm -hmm. are we feeling? Well, I mean, I feel like they're ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm ready. You know, it's interesting. I see all of these people talking about Halloween and it's spooky time and they can't wait till October because Halloween is their favorite spooky time. And I feel pretty good about Halloween. Like Halloween for us is more calm down. (laughs) We can do the normal cases. It's serial killer September. That's our spooky time. That's when I have my nightmares and there's like definitely people hiding under my bed and around the you know, corner and all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's really scary. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's, uh, I'm I'm glad that the research and the stuff is all behind us. Yes, me too. Well, sort of, it's not behind us yet, but right. Right. Yeah. Also what's going on right now is a merch code. Mm -hmm. There's a merch code going right now on all of crimes and closets, merch, all of it. There's serial killer, September stuff. There's, great hoodies there's this water bottle that we can't stop talking about Mm -hmm. there are funny t-shirts with sayings like hold on to your pants and it's a doozy and you can get 10 percent off everything if you use the code sks10 at checkout yes for serial Serial killer september right (laughs) you will get that (laughs) A discount on all the merch. So go check that out. And when you get your stuff, please take a picture and send it to us because we think you guys are really cute. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Love, love getting that stuff from you guys. I was just thinking the other day that I was, should do a TikTok of all all of the merch that I have and like show off all of the merch on a TikTok. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. We should should do that this month. So that people can see what we've got on a live person and then they can go use their code. Yeah, that's true. Because there's definitely some things that I got that I was like, oh, this fits a lot different than I thought it was going to be. And I love it. Yes. You know, yeah. I need to get a serial killer September something though. So I know I it's that. a cute Maybe t-shirt. It says yeah. I survived serial killer September with crimes and closets. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Woo-hoo. Let's see if it, <gasps> Did you- let's see if it happens. Let's see if we survive yeah, it. Did you survive? (laughs) (laughs) So we're trying to make things as upbeat as as we can during all this dark, scary, Mm -hmm. spooky time with a merch code and a new beat and a positive attitude on this Monday morning, which we're about to ruin for everybody. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for it to get ruined? Nope. But you can get it going. Okay. Okay, Beth, we're here. <laughs> here we are. We are in serial killer September. 
dun, dun, I dun. Am, yes, dun, dun, dun. I am um, happy about it because that means I am done researching and organizing. Ooh. And I'm just now telling you the story, which sucks in itself, but <laughs> it's way better than the whole last few days have been. I know. I'm kind Whatever. of envious of you, actually, because you get to get it out. Yeah. And I keep saying, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I can't wait to yeah. get it out. So, yeah. So here's your so cleanse. Are you ready? I'm ready. For the first serial killer. Yes. Um, it's actually was a listener suggestion. Jennifer on Facebook, she messaged us a while ago about this and hadn't really looked into it, knew somewhat of the story and then when I finally was like, okay, this this is going to be the serial killer, I was like, oh, wow. It's actually a listener suggestion. So, cool. here we go. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks, Jennifer. Glad we were able to get it in. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this is, um, the serial killer, his name is Carrie Stainer, which oh, yes. you're familiar with. So. I do know him. Yes. Um, Carrie Stainer was born to Delbert and Kay Stainer on August 12th, 1961, very few sources have August 13th, so for some reason there's some confusion, but most of them say 12th, so I'm going with the 12th. <laughs> he was one of five children. He had three sisters and a brother, Corey, Cynthia, Jody, and Stephen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Carrie was the oldest sibling, and I believe that Stephen was the youngest, but I'm not sure of the order of all the girls. Okay. There's just, you know, not a whole lot on there. They lived in a town called Merced in California, and it was a town of about 84,000, and at this time, it was considered kind of a lower middle-class community. I don't know what it is now, but at that okay. time, that's what it was. It was often called the Gateway to Yosemite. It's like two hours to the east of Yosemite, but I don't know. For whatever reason, I've heard that term several times, but it's the Gateway to Yosemite. Okay. Delbert was a mechanic who worked at a cannery, and Kay ran a daycare and also helped out at the schools as a lunch lady. Oh. Serving those sloppy joes. Sloppy joes. That's the exact same thing. <laughs> you are so sloppy joes. <laughs> okay, Kay. Um, yeah. So Kay had gone to boarding school when she was younger and claimed to have been physically and emotionally abused there. And because of this, she wasn't overly affectionate towards people in general, including her own children. Right. So she wasn't very touchy-feely. She wasn't like a hugger, all that kind of stuff. Delbert, on the other hand, may have been a little too affectionate and touchy-feely because he was actually sent to a treatment facility at some point for sexually abusing his daughter. Gross. Ish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Just one of them? Yeah. And as far as I can tell, it was like he went to treatment, came back, and was fine. Like... Nothing else happened after that, but no, no, no. I didn't dive into it too much because sure. I was like, that's not the point of the story. So, um, when Carrie was little, he was diagnosed with trichotillomania. Do you know what that is? No. I had to put the like, how to pronounce it in parentheses next to that because that word. <laughs> <laughs> I do that with town names. Oh, yeah. Um, well, anyways, that's the, it's like compulsively pulling your hair out. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So Seen he that was on like. True Life. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know what that is. It's on MTV. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, so he did this, and I think he was three when he was diagnosed. So he was doing it real young. So clearly had some like kind of issues, and he constantly wore hats because it was embarrassing to see yeah. like clumps of his. It's like an anxiety hat. thing, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And just also like an impulse control thing. Like you can't control it. You're doing it. And so it's part of that kind of thing. Right. Um, Carrie was a good student. He played baseball for a few years and loved going on camping trips with his family. They would often go to Yosemite and he just felt all was like right with the world when he was there. Just liked to connect with nature and nice. all was great. Some would describe him as quiet and slightly awkward, but everyone would say he was an excellent cartoonist. He drew some some awesome cartoons that I saw, you know, like in documentaries and stuff that I saw of him. And actually a lot of people thought he would become a cartoonist one day, like that would be his profession, but clearly he went down a different path. Oh, gosh. So this is kind of where this story, there's a story within the story. Okay. And also a crime other than the crimes that I'm going to talk about later. Okay. When Carrie was 11 years old, his younger brother, Stephen, who was seven, was kidnapped. He was walking home from school on December 4th, 1972, when two men in a car approached him asking if they thought it was like near Christmas time, so they thought people would be giving. Do you think your mom would want to give to this charity that we're collecting money for? And Stephen was like, oh, I'm sure. She does that stuff all the time. So I'll go home and talk to her, and you can come by. And they were like, well, we'll just give you a ride home. It's right up the road, right? You know, we'll just give you a ride home. And he's like, no, 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 I'll just go talk. But then they were like, insisted, and he gets in the car. And clearly, as I said, he was kidnapped. Stephen doesn't make it home that day. Kenneth Parnell was the name of the man who took him. And after riding around for a bit, he stopped and, like, went to a payphone. And when he got off the phone, I don't know if he was actually on the phone. I don't think he was. Or he was on the phone with somebody that we don't know. But he gets off the phone, and he says to Stephen that, I just spoke to your parents. They no longer want you, and I'm going to take care of you. You should call me dad, and your new name is Dennis. So What in the world? And I don't know for sure. I think I remember reading something, but I feel like he was like, oh, okay, mom's not very affectionate. Like, I don't know, like, things are tough. Maybe it's possible that they don't want me anymore. I don't know. But Poor buddy. This is, I know. Oh so... He took him to Yosemite Lodge, where he held him for a long time, and at one point they moved to a place called Kampchi, which is about five hours from where he was initially taken. So he stays a little bit of time in this Yosemite area and then moves a little bit further away to Kampchi. And then it's, I don't know if this, if he's in Kampchi, but, or ends up moving to Bendicino, but it's. I, you know, I should have looked this up, but if Comchi's near Mendocino, then I'm sorry. Then that's why he went to Mendocino High, but whatever. He spent the next seven years being sexually abused by <gasps> Kenneth Parnell. Seven years. Seven years. Oh, Someone my gosh. And called. the family never had any idea. They just He just disappeared. Yep. Yep. Couldn't find him. And he's calling this guy dad, and he's being sexually abused. But somehow he manages to sort of live a normal life. Like, he just was able to you know, live. And he went to school. Like I said, he went to Mendocino High School. He even had a girlfriend. He was given free range. He could drink, smoke, go wherever he wanted to do, go anytime he wanted to. So, you know, at one point, like he's just, that's why he has his girlfriend. He goes to high school. At one point, he tells his girlfriend all about his home life and his real home and tells her that he knows that he was taken and this has been my life. But you know, whatever. I don't know what I can do about it. Oh my gosh. And the girlfriend said? 
I don't know what she said. Oh, my word. I think <laughs> I, I would didn't... be like, we're, we're going to need to talk about this more and delve in a yeah. little more here. Yeah. Well, I didn't dive in because this isn't really the, the story, but this is part of the story. Right, so right. I just, I'm basic. That's so wild. Um, also around this time, because he's in high school, it, and he's clearly much older than he was when he was taken. He was seven. He's now a teenager, and Kenneth is kind of realizing, well, I can't really control mm-hmm. him anymore. He's getting bigger. So Kenneth decides that he would like Stephen. I know that he's supposed to be Dennis at this point, but his name is Stephen. Um, he decides he wants Stephen to help him find another child to kidnap. Oh, no. Ugh. Keep on doing what he's doing. Ugh. So they work together for a while looking for another child, but each time Stephen would sabotage the kidnapping in some way because he didn't want nice. this to happen to another child. So Kenneth enlisted this another Poor man. boy. Steve, poor thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he enlisted another man to help him, and he ends up ki- kidnapping five-year-old Timothy White. Stephen is determined to not let Timothy have the life that he lived for the last seven years. And so one night while Kenneth was at work, I don't know how long into having him this was. I don't think it was very long. He Stephen left and took Timothy back to the neighborhood that he lived in. But it was dark, and Timothy's young, and he just really couldn't, like find his house and all that. So they decided, or he, Stephen decided, or I'm going to take him to the police station. I'll just send him in on his own. I'll just kind of be out in the background. Like, at least he'll get home. Because he had kind of formed a relationship with Kenneth. I mean, you've got that, what is that called? Like Stockholm, is that what Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome. Syndrome. I mean, I don't know if that that's what he had, but he formed a relationship with Kenneth and like... Well, he was brainwashed. He didn't, yeah. I mean, ter- he'd been so terrified for his entire life, essentially. Right. Like... Yeah. So... His plan was to just send Timothy into the police station and he was going to stay back. But that's not what happened. He ended up going in because I think Timothy was pretty scared. And he ends up telling the whole story, including his. And he says to the police officers, I know my name is Stephen. I know my name is Stephen, yes. Mm. Which is later became in the 80s or 90s, I don't know, but a movie. Mm -hmm. I saw the movie or like a two-part series or something. You know, I I remember watching it. I didn't watch it again. I meant to, but it wasn't like pertinent that I had to get to it. I'll probably watch it again next week. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so he was returned home to his family after seven years, and he was also considered a hero for saving. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. And this is his brother, the serial killer's brother? the serial killer that we're talking about. Steven is his brother? Yes, it's Steven's brother. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I had no idea that this. Like, wow, this is what our listener wrote us. Jennifer wrote us, and I didn't connect it until I actually started to like look into the case, and then I was like, "Holy crap! I know this story." That is, and I cannot wild. believe his brother. Yeah. So, anyway, so he saves Timothy, and it's national news. So he received all this attention when he went missing, and now he's receiving all this attention because he's finally home and mm-hmm. he's saved this child's life. So, needless to say, Carrie is having trouble when his brother comes home. He had trouble when his brother got kidnapped, and he's having trouble now that his brother's back. He, he, don't get me wrong, he's excited and happy that he's oh okay God. and alive and whatnot, but he's still getting pushed in the background. And for seven years, his parents were focused on Stephen. Like, I was just going to say, I can't imagine being these parents. Right. Yeah, so his um, in the beginning... His dad actually blamed him because typically Carrie would walk home with his brother, and for whatever reason, he didn't that day. And so at first, like, his dad was kind of, it said something like, if you were just with him, mm-hmm. you know. So he kind of yeah. felt blamed. Um, 
And then his mom did not leave the house for a year because she was afraid if he came home, she wouldn't be there. Oh, bless. When he got there. Oh, that's awful. And then his dad. What? That's awful. It is. And I I can't imagine. I mean, I feel like I would do the same thing. Like, oh, my gosh, if he comes home, I want to be here. Like, I don't want to miss it. Like, you know, whatever. Um. His father also carried a sawed-off shotgun in his car with him just in case he came across these kidnappers with his son one day. Like, so they were just, I mean, rightfully so, obsessed with the fact that their child had gone missing. So he was ignored back then, and now he's being ignored again because Stephen's getting the spotlight now that he's home and whatnot, just blending into the background. So... The family also has to go through a trial for Kenneth Parnell. And in the end, Kenneth only gets seven years and only serves five of them. So he's in jail less time than Stephen was in How in the world did that play out? Because he was only convicted of kidnapping and false imprisonment, which I don't know how he only got seven years for that. But um, because there wasn't enough Twice. He did it twice. Yes, he did it twice. Not just Stephen. The other little boy, too. Again, I didn't dive into, like, the reasons of that trial. But that's, like, the fact. He ends up going and doing it again and does get go to jail. And I think, I don't know, I think he died in jail. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I know he did it again and he got arrested again after he got out. But they they have a hard time with this conviction, including Carrie. Like, you, he spent less time in jail than Stephen spent in his jail. You know, like, anyway. So... After this first break, we will get into more of Carrie's past. Carrie will, in later years, admit that he has had issues that predated Stephen's kidnapping. So you'd think that, like, all this junk happened and, like, you know, that's when all of the the issues started. But he admits... Well, I mean, clearly he was diagnosed with that hair pulling, you know, disease. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because now that I don't have my notes in front of me, I can't say it. (laughs) Trichotillomania. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) When he was three, but when he was seven, he remembers that he would fantasize about women and girls and even killing the checkout girl at the store. When he was seven? When he was seven, he remembers having these Okay. He specifically remembers being seven? Yeah, I guess so. That's weird. (laughs) He also states that he was molested by his Uncle Jesse, which every time I read this, all I kept seeing Uncle was John Stamos. <laughs> oh, don't talk about him like that. Come on. <laughs> the hair, anyway. the hair. Yeah. So he thinks, he not thinks, he says he was molested by Uncle Jesse. He said he was at his house and spending the night. And I believe there were other kids there, like maybe other siblings or cousins or whatever. And there was a couple of them that were going to be sleeping in Uncle Jesse's bed. But before he went to bed, his uncle shows them pictures of women and little girls. And Ugh. then at some point during the night, he awake and awakens to Uncle Jesse, like, pulling his underwear down. Oh, no. So, again, has, I don't know what age this was. Um, at 16, he recalls touching one of his sister's friend's breasts when they were over and exposing himself to them. And he would also spy on them all the time and just kind of be, like, lurking, like, whether he was, like, underneath the bed when they were in the bedroom or looking through bathroom doors or whatever and trying to videotape them. It just (gasps) was creepy. (sighs) He then starts fantasizing about girls being raped. I don't know if that he's raping them or just in general it's a fantasy, but this is one of his fantasies. 
He would often take drives up to Yosemite just to get naked and smoke pot and relax because... I'm sorry, what? Yes. <laughs> Let me just throw that in there. <laughs> this is what uh, he did to relax. Remember, he was always one with nature and he loved Yosemite. So, like, he would just go up there. He liked being naked and sit there, smoke his pot, relax, fish, swim. Sometimes he would go with friends, sometimes by himself. And they would all be naked? Well, I don't know like that they would all be naked. Okay. Maybe he only did that when it was him by himself, but um, yeah. He also had a slight obsession with Bigfoot, and he insisted that he saw it in Yosemite oh. for like years and years and years. He would tell people that he saw it. Okay, Gary. Mm-hmm. So he's just like strange, just yeah. a little strange. <laughs> so one time a friend recalled them going to Yosemite, and they saw some women swimming, and Carrie would just sit and like watch them. And his friend would try and get him to leave and pull him away, and he would just not be able to pull himself away from watching these women swimming. I don't know if they, I don't think they were nude or anything, but. Super creepy. You know, just a creeper. Something else to note at this point he's awkward around girls. So he likes girls, but he just, he doesn't know what to do and he doesn't know how to act, and he's never had a girlfriend that anybody knows about. And he will also later admit to having erectile dysfunction. So, I don't okay. <laughs> Yeah. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on with Carrie. And he would often, because he was such a good drawer, he would draw his perfect woman. Okay. So, clearly, this is what I have written down, and it makes me laugh looking at it. Clearly, Carrie is struggling as a human being. Yes. <laughs> Just all across the board, like, in general. I'm not sure how else to describe him. And so if he's struggling now, things are about to get a bit worse. It's coming. Here it comes. In 1989, at the age of 24, his brother Stephen, Mm -hmm. who was kidnapped, dies in a hit-and-run accident. He was hit-and-run on his motorcycle coming home from work one day. And it's funny. Not funny. He actually went on to live a normal life. Like, he got married. He had kids. And his wife on in interviews says, like, he was proud of who he was and, like, what happened to him and how he got past it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, like, he was okay with it. Like, well, clearly, he somehow managed to live a normal life while he was in captivity. Gosh, he was, a, he was a real survivor, person. yeah. He did have trouble with alcohol and drugs, clearly. Like, there were things that he struggled with, but he went on. Anyway, but at 24, he dies. He got hit and run. That is so sad. Yes, it is very sad because he survived all that oh just my to, gosh. you know, at a young age die. So this is just another blow to carry. Like, huh, okay, now my brother dies. And he's and, so messed up in the head when it comes to his brother anyway. Like, I can't yeah. imagine. I can't imagine losing my brother, getting my brother back after thinking, after seven years, and then them dying mm-hmm. again. Like, holy moly, that is, yeah, that is going to put you in some serious shock. Yeah, it's, yeah, it sure will. And just things, like, keep happening. Like, he's getting molested by his Uncle Jesse. And, right. You know, he's just awkward. And, anyway. and so, okay, but hold on now. <laughs> hold on to your pants. Not yet, I'm, though. I'm, I'm not going to feel you, bad for him, I don't think. No. So, now he's, a, clearly, he's an adult, because he's, how, what, four years older than, is that what it was? He was 11, 7, yeah, four years older than, so he's 28. I don't know how, what time, what, he's 28, 29 at this time. He's an adult, but he's living with his Uncle Jesse, the oh. same guy okay. who molested him as, he, as a younger guy. 
Uncle Jesse had gotten him a job at some glass manufacturer in town, so they were living together. Anyway, in December of 1990, a little over a year after Stephen dies, Uncle Jesse comes home from work and interrupts an intruder, and he is shot and killed. What in the world is going on with this family? And Carrie is the one that finds him when he comes home from work, dead on the floor. Clearly, Carrie was also looked at for this murder. Right, right. He was the one that found him. But eventually, he's cleared. Okay. But now, currently, it's still kind of a suspicious thing. Like, did he have something to do with his uncle's death? We don't know. We have no idea. Interesting. It's because it's still unsolved. His uncle. Whoa. Oh, he definitely probably did that. Yeah. So it's it's possible. It's definitely in people's heads. In 1991, he attempted suicide, but failed. In 1997, he was arrested for meth and marijuana possession, but it was later dropped, so it's not, I mean, not really on his record. He doesn't have a record. Essentially, he's clean. Carrie says he has had some psychotic episodes, one of which a co-worker witnesses, um, where he's, like, slamming his fists. He, like, gets to work and sees Carrie out there slamming his fists on a piece of plywood over and over again. And he goes over to check on him and see what's going on. And Carrie at this time proclaims that he wants to go into the office and kill the manager and others and then torch the place to get rid of all the evidence. He tells he his co-worker this. this? He says it. And I think he's clearly, like, having this episode and not wanting to do it, like, act on it. And so that's why he's, like, punching something, it, in my opinion. Like, he okay. was trying to get himself not to do it. And then he tells the coworker because then there's another line of, I'm not going to be able to do it because I'm telling somebody about it. This is my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that, but anyway. So he needs to go out to Yellowstone, takes clothes off, chill out, smoke some pot. Yeah. Naked by the lake. Pull your hair out if you need to, buddy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. So the coworker goes and tells someone in the office and they all agree that he needs to go somewhere and get some help. So he's, I don't know if he's driven or drives himself, but he's taken, goes to the local psychiatric facility where he is evaluated and it's suggested that he attend group therapy sessions, mm-hmm. but because of how awkward and shy he is and just that he's just a loner type guy, he has no interest in sharing his deepest, darkest secrets and fantasies with a group of people. Right. So he's like, peace, I'm out of here. Wait a and minute. He, so they didn't keep him inpatient? But he's a danger to others. Why would they, why would they just be like, What? Okay. I don't know, but this is what we see, how the system fails people over and over again and how they end up becoming serial killers or murderers just in general. But so he leaves the facility and goes back, picks up his last paycheck. And he's like, I'm out of here. I'm leaving town. I'm heading to Santa Cruz. I'm going to become a cartoonist there. Why Santa Cruz? I don't know, but that's where he's gone. So after a short time in Santa Cruz, he's, you know, not a cartoonist and he ends up heading to El Portal. And gets a job as a handyman at Cedar Lodge. And El Porto is just right outside. Like, it's, um, I think it's outside of the western entrance to Yosemite. Okay. So it's probably just a little town just right outside there. And Cedar Lodge is 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 there. And he gets a job as a handyman. So um, he's always felt at home there. So clearly he's drawn back to that spot. Although, isn't it strange how that's where his brother was kept for a little bit of time, too? Like, hmm. his family went there vacationing. He likes to go there. His brother's kidnapped. He didn't know this at the time, but that's where he was, like, kept for a while hmm. at Yosemite. It's like, all goes back to Yosemite. So, anyway, 
He gets an apartment above a diner on the grounds of this place. And he actually starts dating a waitress there at the diner who has two children. Okay. He's super sweet to them. It is scary. Wait till later. Um, He's super sweet to them and loves them so much. And he would bring them beanie babies all the time, give them drawings, and even taught the girls how to dive. He was kind of like a father figure figure to them Mm -hmm. until he Mm -hmm. wasn't. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that brings us to 1999, where Carrie is living and working at Cedar Lodge for possibly a year or so. He gets laid off in the winters because it's slow, but he still stays there because he knows he's going to have his job back. So he's still living at that in that apartment above the diner. And while in the winter, I think he just kind of hangs out at the bar and drinks some rum and cokes, apparently. So, okay. Anyway, and that no. Background of Carrie, and that is where I will end this episode. This very short (laughs) snippet until we get into the craziness. Oh my gosh, (laughs) I have a feeling it's going to be really bad. Mm. Yeah, it mm -hmm. slightly. He is like all the makings and fixings of a murderer, though. His background, all that trauma, and like. But, I, I mean, I'm not going to feel bad for him. I'm just, we don't even need to give him excuses. But, like, that's rough. No. That's rough. No, he's had a rough life. And abuse went back generations, according to everything that I, I looked at. So, oh, which, by the way, let me mention this. I should have mentioned it in the beginning. A lot of my information I got from this book that I had actually read a couple years ago. And when I was doing the research, it started referencing this book. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And because the um, FBI agent that ends up getting his confession wrote this book, oh. and he has gotten a whole bunch of confessions about you know kids who have gone missing or murdered or whatever from um, murderers and stuff. So he wrote this book. It's called In the Name of the Children, an FBI Agent's Relentless Pursuit of the, Mo- the Nation's Worst Predators. It's very good. Okay. Very good. So I went back to this and got a lot of it because about 100 or so of these pages was dedicated to... Carrie's the not Carrie his victims okay okay Carrie by default because he ends up getting his confession and so wow about that very good cool very good read that sounds like a cool book have yes to read which it. and then we can give it away um, yes we're gonna give it away yeah after Beth reads it <laughs> <laughs> y'all gotta wait sorry I'll go fast I'll, I'll hurry don't worry you may have it read before we even give it away anyways. There you go. <laughs> so anyway. okay well we're gonna be back tomorrow for part two of Carrie Stainer, mm-hmm. the serial killer that we sort of wanted to feel bad for, but are not going to be able to. No. That's that's what I know so far. That's my takeaway today. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Get your pants. Join us tomorrow. Come find us on social media. Find our merch code for Serial Killer September. If you didn't get your stuff, there's some serial killer stuff on there. It'll probably come before the month is over. So go do the thing and we'll see you tomorrow for part two. And always remember the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closet.